Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaosium. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to languages for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc. that may bear resemblance to entities living or dead is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Dent, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. Thank you for joining us again in another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I'm your keeper, Keeper Michael, and we return to our Masks of Neonothotep campaign uh, as we travel and journey through Paris. Now, you might be saying, wait, what? Mass doesn't have a Paris chapter. Well, we broke all those rules last session, or perhaps a few sessions ago, and we're going to do it anyway. So I'd like to get started with introductions. So to my right. I'm Tiffany, and I play Maeve O'Shea, and things are interesting. You've had quite an interesting series of days here in Paris. It's been quite transformative for you. Yeah, it's been fun. Couldn't agree more. To Miss O'Shea's right. This is Morgan. I play Lillian Lane, and I go into the play tonight. Yes, you and um, your uh, date du jour, Jack Doyle. Amazing. At the end of the table. This is Jake, and I'm playing Jack Doyle, and I'm getting some culture tonight. You's getting culture finally, huh? Yep. Miss Lane's going to culture you up. Uh-oh. <laughs> to, uh, to Jack's right. This is James, and I'll be playing Dr. Sigmund Tartenbach, who has found the City of Lights to be stunning. Hmm. And last but most certainly not least. Uh, this is Alex. I'll be playing uh, Sam Perron, and uh, there is much to learn between now and the end of the world. And that's the pesky thing about the end of the world. It's coming. <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> I mean... It is. So we raise the curtain tonight with kind of an, um, a new duo that is forging here in season four. And that would be the uh, hard-nosed detective Jack Doyle and the uh, social and uh, social light bomb that is Lillian Lane. So the two of you have decided to take in a play this evening. Uh, and you, I guess if you would tell me, how are you dressing for it? It's probably going to be a little bit more upper crust at the uh, at the play because mm-hmm. um, it is Paris. So I will pull out um, one of my my uh, blue silk dress that I have. Mm-hmm. It's enough room to maybe carry a weapon <laughs> because if we're going ghoul hunting afterwards, we got I have to like you right, know. right. Yeah, uh, I can't wear pants to the play. <laughs> you in those pants? <laughs> You know, put my hair up and everything sure. in a, a bun or... Some sort of period hairstyle right, keeps it up yep. off your shoulders. If we're going to be doing our, our hunting afterwards, probably minimal to no jewelry whatsoever, just because I don't need that to get caught on anything. Hmm. All right. So even in your somewhat dimmed down um, dress, um, I guess the question will be is, how are you um, keeping up with her then? I'm going to wear the uh, suit that we had made for the uh, um, party in New York. Oh, sure. Yep. It's probably been cleaned by now, right? Well, I I wasn't really. Uh, I didn't. I didn't get hurt. <laughs> Never got shot or wounded. I didn't think I even was close enough to anything new. Uh, yeah, you spent most of that scene just kind of running around. I think. Yeah. 
Fair enough. Um, so that's a that's a nice suit. Yeah. You had yeah. that made in New York by uh, some rather uh, trendy and uh, upscale business folks. So yeah. I mean, Miss Lane would probably notice it's kind of sort of last year-ish, uh, but you know. I wouldn't say it's, anything, it's last though. month. Yeah, it's like last month. Like <laughs> right, exactly. Trends move oh, fast right. here. It's Paris. That's, that's right. Yeah. So the two of you um, head to the the uh, playhouse there, and uh, and get settled in. Um, so this uh, this is a rather rather small theater. Uh, the entrance is uh, on the side of it. You see a couple of you know, pasted up. Um, show bills and stuff like that that things are going to be playing and there's a there's a play that's showing that is uh it's called the uh the angel of midnight and there's a rather striking figure on the uh, center of this poster it's a woman she's uh sitting in a chair and she seems to be with her arms to out to either side as if she's welcoming someone and there's a, a graphic behind her of a door that's opened. And in the door that's opened, there are just these two large eyes that sit in the doorway. It's rather ominous when you look at it. You get ushered in to the theater um, carefully and respectfully. It doesn't really look like that big of a theater by any means. It's maybe 50 or so, 60 seats at most. There is a, a small stage um, Jack, you pick up on a, a kind of a, a, a strange, almost brackish smell in here. And yeah, it's a ground level theater in Paris, and so there's probably water pipes or something like that. But there's just in your in your nasal passages, there's something else that you smell. Is it is it like a, kind of seawatery? A little bit. Maybe it's a a little metallic. I lean over to Jack. Oh. Jack, do you want to, like, I'm assuming there's a bar, obviously, in this playhouse? Uh, there is. There, oh. There's a refreshment area, yes. Should we go um, get something to drink and maybe yeah. keep our yeah, eye about? Look around. And, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a reason why uh, Ms. Ms. Mr. Mr. Wild told me. Yep. So I stand and wait for Jack to offer his arm. Of course. Because... I'm a gentleman. Are you? Mm. Well, I mean, we're not too sure about that, no. but that's okay. No, I, I take his arm and... You two go and get refreshments and begin working your way through the crowd and the people. And the thing that strikes the both of you rather quickly is everyone here seems a little bit forgettable. Not upper crust type. It's not even that. It's not even what station or class they might be. It's more that when you move from person to person, they all kind of seem like wallpaper paste. They're just bland. Ooh. Even their clothing, while trendy and with the times, is not it's not distinctive. There's there's nothing that separates them from other people. Just all kind of blends together, like background. Yeah. Like something I wouldn't expect. I mean I would expect a fabulous play, people a, a play in parish right yeah you, you would expect yeah. some something ostentatious something big and booming and right but what you're getting is it feels like these people have been drug out from the back room and set up as an extra series of stage pieces that's not, yeah that's not disturbing that's not at good. all yes. <laughs> um 
Almost they, like, they clearly move. It's not like right, right, right. No, but it's it's, it's almost like uh, like this they were whole, hired. This whole thing was set up as a right. giant play for us. So maybe it's just your mind playing tricks on you. Um, is the bar? I mean, there's a bartender and everything, right? There, yes. Obviously, um, there's actually two of them. Oh, good. Um, so I'm I'm gonna walk up to them and uh, you know ask for uh, a. We met him. Can I get a um, martini, please? Dry. Do mm, we? Uh, and he looks to you, Jack. Whiskey, neat. Uh, of, but of course. So, do you? Is this play really good? Have you have you seen it? I have not had an opportunity to take it in. Of course, um, we are usually busy working. Uh, it seems like there's quite a few people here to see it. Hmm. Mm, yes. He begins mixing the drink and sets it up, sets the first drink up as the finishes it for you and then he goes and gets the whiskey and comes back and you see him pour a fairly generous amount in, in a glass and sets it over to you so how long has this play been going on for um about three weeks oh really mm-hmm. it's had some very um good reviews i think he um goes into a, a back pocket and you see him pull out a, a paper a french paper yeah 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 he reaches over and sets it on the bar. I, I take it and um, so I can read it. So um, yeah. what, what does it say? That it is a rather striking play of a woman who feels trapped and dejected in her own home. And she prays for a series of nights for something to come and alleviate her of her burdens. And while the review doesn't disturb the ending by any means, uh, it does say that the ending was rather shocking and that they felt transformed by the play. Okay. Transformation. So, uh, well, well, the, the reviews do seem to, you know, match what you're saying. So, uh, I guess I'm looking forward to seeing the play. Oh, uh, Wonderful. Enjoy your uh, night and your drinks. Out of my clutch, I, I pull out some some coins and they're a tip or whatever and then leave it on the bar. Mm-hmm. You and... pay about 20 francs. So the ushers make a call and let you know that there's a, the show is going to be getting soon so people should take their seats. You finish your drinks and then go and sit down. The house lights dim a few moments afterwards. The crowd kind of pushes back into further into the background. The theater is by no means full probably about 60%. And as the lights come back up, a lone light casts on a woman sitting on a ta- uh, next to a table in a chair. You see that there's a bread bowl that's been placed on the table, but it seems more perfunctory. There's nothing in it. And at the far edge of the light, you see the simple and, well, rather rather basic form of what looks like a crib. And as the play begins, it, of course, is in French. Um, so Lillian, for you, Jack, I don't know what your French is, if, if it's, anything. It's zero. Okay. So, so <laughs> you begin seeing a woman speaking in, in French. Um, Lillian, the, the, the woman goes into a very long and heartfelt monologue about being left with a burden. She continues to call it a burden of life. And she talks about how 
it no longer brings the joy it once did. And that she works tirelessly each day to provide and protect. And she wonders to herself if it will ever end. If this terrible period of her life will ever end. And as the first and second act kind of roll into one another, she gets a series of visitors at the door. Uh, people come in. A woman who Jackie believe is probably her mother. Uh, they don't look at the crib. They continue to talk to her. Her visitors console her. They try to cheer her up. Uh, but nothing seems to work. And they begin one after another trying to get her to leave the house but she won't because this burden is here and it is hers to bear and the the third act begins with a series of knocks at this door you can tell it's nighttime they've dimmed the light the woman is still sitting in the chair. She's curled up a bit. And she calls back, and Lillian, you can hear in French, she say, no, no, no more visitors today. I don't have the strength. The burden is too great. And the knock comes again. And you see the woman finally, and, and the very action of it draws your attention. She stands up to do something about this person, this this person who's come to bother her. And she goes to the door and she pounds back on the door and she says, the burden is too great. I cannot have any more visitors. You hear a male voice off stage say, I have come to alleviate you of the burden. Are you willing to pay the price? And she turns back to the crowd and she says, should I, should I pay the price? Is it worth the burden being lifted? And she pauses as if to wait for an answer. What does the audience respond with? Well, so far the audience hasn't responded yet. Um, you see most of the folks you're sitting around begin kind of looking back and forth among them. I mean, as the play has been going on, I have been doing minor translating to Jack, so he can understand what's going on. And most of everything I'm getting is, huge, is just body language for the most part, yeah. except for what she's telling me. So the, and the, the actors here have been mostly faithful to keeping to that pantomime, so you can kind of travel along with the journey, even if you don't speak the language. Um, you hear a woman stand up, and you see her down there in the front row. She's young. She's probably no more than 20. And she raises her hand up as if to be called on in class and says let it go let the burden go go and live and the woman on stage seems to acknowledge the woman from the crowd and she turns around and opens the door and when she opens the door there are two (laughs) rather obvious wooden eyes that sit in this background and she says take me away from here take me out of this place and the, a male voice offstage says, there is a cost that you will pay. 
and in a in a fervent, almost sweaty, eager voice, the woman says, I, I will pay any cost as necessary. And the shadow that this pair of wooden <laughs> white wooden eyes is sitting next to kind of uh, flutters a bit as if uh, stage hands are moving the uh, the curtains back and forth and you see something leap out like a shadow leaps out and attaches itself to this woman's head almost as if it's a it's a physical force like does it look human no it looks like a ball of shadow and the woman on stage starts <laughs> screaming like not playing something is wrong when she hits the octaves of scream that she hits you've heard that stuff before that's it's real someone's being hurt someone's being viciously hurt and it gets like it digs its way into your blood I'll leap up okay rush the stage I'm right behind him okay the woman on stage grabs the ball of shadow that's around her head and pulls back and when she pulls back and turns around because she's trying to pull away from this thing you can see that the top layer of her facial flash has come off and her eyes are now empty gushing sockets can we roll sanity not jack (laughs) bingo not everybody no not him so yes make a sanity I've seen this exact same thing before Hey, I've been in France. I'll roll sanity. Okay, so then I get a two. Two out of 43. Very good. So you have seen some very, very vile things. And unfortunately, it's done you a bit of good in this regard. This is gross. This is terrible. And you're fairly certain the worst part is it's real. Now, Jack, you get to the stage. The woman collapses forward, and you manage to grab leap up and grab her. Her face, of course, because of gravity, plants itself right onto your chest. Damn it. And blood begins to coat your uh, the front of your shirt, and you kind of immediately go to the left or the right to, to absorb the body weight. Uh, are you staying on stage with her, or are you just ushering her to the ground long enough? Yeah, I'm going to stay uh, uh... I'm going to the back. I've got, um, I had brought my little mini hatchet. I'm telling you what, the the thigh sheaths for you women in this game are really paying dividends. Somebody's making bank. Yeah, right. uh, Uh, Mine doubles as a belt. It's true. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I pull it out from underneath my dress and I head to the backstage to see what's back there. Pull out a hatchet, start running through the crowd. Wonderful. (laughs) The crowd, by the way, uh, begins exiting rapidly through uh, the way they came they came in. They're not interested in seeing whatever the heck is going on now. They want nothing to do with it. So do, are they panicking or anything? Uh, or are they just... Yes. Okay. I didn't know if they were like... No, they're just hey, filing out. It's uh, another day. <laughs> just another day in Paris. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you cradle her and get her to the ground, Jack. Are you going to continue on? Or are you going to do first aid? Like, what's the... I do first aid, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how good that's uh, going to work, but... That's a 13, so that's, um, uh, well, that's a hard success. Okay, so two things come immediately to mind. One, her wounds are real, and they are likely life-altering. Two, while you could staunch the bleeding, you need something to do it. Also, this woman needs a doctor. 
immediately. Uh, she has none of those things. So if you would like to actually actually sustain her, you're going to have to find something to, to wrap her up in or staunch the bleeding and stuff like that. Well, I guess I'm uh, sacrificing the rest of my suit here. Okay, so you take off the suit jacket? Yeah. All right. You begin to um, triage her a little bit. Miss Lane, you hit the backstage area. Um, are you? Which way are you going? Are you going through the curtain? Um, How are you it, getting there? Well, the door was right there, uh-huh. right? I'm yep. going right through that, that the, the fake door the that fake they door. hit. Yep. Okay. You head through the fake door. When you pass through the fake curtains and the two little, not too little, but the, the two wooden eyes that sit there as props, you see the backstage area, which is mostly filled with uh, mostly filled with, with wood props and stands and set pieces and lighting and other assorted material. You don't see any actors or backstage hands here. It's devoid of anyone. So like that male voice that was talking isn't anywhere around? You don't see anybody. Is it dark or is it lit oh, back Oh, it's there? very dark back here because it's backstage. Oh, crap. Really the only light you're getting are the stage lights that that you have from behind you. Can I see anywhere to open up the curtains like fully to the stage? Yeah, I mean, you could pull apart the black curtains that are behind you and it would give you some light. Yeah, I, I want to do that to open it up more. <laughs> Jack, you're bandaging her head. Mm-hmm. She's in shock. She keeps Probably saying something in French. Um, you don't know what it is. Uh, she's murmuring it. It's the best you can get. Um, her eye sockets won't stop bleeding. It's becoming a problem. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to carry her out of here because Probably. I have to find a doctor. Make me a hard spot hidden roll. Uh, no, that's 52. Uh, that's not quite enough. Okay. So could spend some luck. You could. I do have some. Three to make it uh, 49 and a hard success. <laughs> okay. So you spend three luck. Let me see what I have in here. It isn't the woman. It isn't the stage per se. It isn't the crowd that you notice. Your eyes cast their way over to the crib. And you see something in the crib move. No, I, I have to look. You get a little closer. Crib is fairly... It's, it's out of the spotlight. But there's something about, say, volleyball size shaped. It's dark. It's, it looks almost gelatinous. And it oozes its way out of the back of the crib. And you are absolutely going to have to roll Sandy now. 38 under 60. Okay. 38 under 60. Uh, what the f- is that? Uh, so you still lose a Sandy. Because that's just not that's not right. That ain't right. That's that there is nothing right about that. You hear it kind of schlep onto the ground with a few pops and a really uncomfortable squishing sound. I I don't know what to do with this. Um, you get the curtain open fully. And you can see in uh Lillian, you get it open fully and you can see that in the back room area, this backstage area that's here, it's little more than a series of, honestly, a series of prop racks and some costuming. It, it doesn't even look like it would fully support the shows that they're putting on here. Is there any doors or anything yeah, out there? Yeah, there's a, there's a door at the far end there. You can start you, to your left and, and back. You see that there's a, a, maybe it's a, like an alley stage door I turn around and go to go see what Jack is up to up towards okay. the front of the stage. Sure. Or towards the, you know, turn around and go back um, to catch up with Jack and, you know, 
I don't want to go too far. It's not far. I mean, it's maybe 15 feet. Okay. You head back out onto the stage, and Jack is staring at the crib. And you're not sure why. And there's a woman who's covered in his suit coat who is holding the suit coat to her head. And you hear her babbling to herself in French saying, the burden, the burden, the burden is gone. Finally, finally, I can see. Um, I look back to Jack, to the woman, to the to Jack, and I, I, I go over to see what he's staring at. The crib moves, just slightly. I, so I get closer to see what's making it move. Okay. You see, just at the edges of the spotlight here, there is um, an rather amorphous blob of black sludge. It almost reminds you of the cave in England just a little bit for a moment. And you revile from it. You step back because it, when it moves forward, it doesn't move in any sort of natural way. Whatever this is, it isn't something that you should be around or seeing. The, the very nature of it curls your toes. Miss Lane, why don't you roll me sanity? I got a 37 out of 43. All right, let's see. You will lose two points of sanity. That's not right. Give me that hatchet. When it surges forward, Jack, Mm -hmm. it doesn't come as if it's going to attack you per se. It it doesn't seem forceful enough for that. But as it surges forward, you realize that it's shrinking. It's moving. Do I see it doing it too? Mm Mm-hmm. Is there any basket or anything around here? Jars, whatever. Oh, yeah, the bowl. There's the bowl. Yeah. Jack, I think we should we should probably catch that and take it back to the doctor, or or Maeve, whatever. I'm not carrying a bowl of that. Is there anything around that like that has a top on it or a basket? I'm going to destroy it. So you grab the bowl for the moment because that's what's here. And are you going to try to? scoop this thing up with it or what oh, do you I don't want to touch it I'm going to throw the bowl on top of okay. it and put it in the yeah I mean it's not hard to do you slam the bowl on top of it because you're thinking contain contain does it start oozing underneath I mean you haven't seen it it, it moves the bowl shakes back and forth okay um, is there any like board or anything like around like it's, there's a prop room it's and stuff back there yeah. I mean so is there something flat that I could put underneath the bowl you could probably get a couple pieces of wood okay I'm going to go find something that's okay. flat to slide underneath there. and Sure. You grab a couple pieces of wood, and you maybe have Jack pull the bowl up so you can slide the stuff under. Because remember, I mean, it's even if one buys or Right. It's going to pull it up a little bit. Um, you pull the bowl off the floor, and there's nothing there. Is it in the bowl? Nope. It's gone. Well, I mean, there's it's just a stage floor, so there's, of course, there are cracks in the wood right. here, and there's uh, gaps. Through there. Underneath. Is there a way to get underneath the stage? I mean, you have a hatchet. Well, sometimes they have, like, the trap doors and the stages and okay. stuff. Yeah. You are happy to go search through the dark back area Yeah, if you I want. don't know if I want no. to go searching that far. And I need to get this woman out of here to okay, a doctor. So you want some help carrying her? No, I can handle the thing. Okay. I hold the doors open for Jack while he carries the injured okay. person out. You carry her out into the street. Um, where are you going Where are you going with her? Um, get a cab and take her to a hospital. Okay. So you get back to the street level. Um, and then get back to an area where you can hail a cab. You hail a cab. You help the lady inside. Obviously, you tell them, Miss Lane tells them that you need to go to a hospital. And uh, they begin driving, the three of you begin driving that way. So while that is uh, all that is going on, back at the hotel, 
we'd had some dinner and we were preparing to go out potentially say hunting mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i would like to know from the rest of the group who is here who is you're preparing to hunt what are you bringing on this wild hunt of yours through paris well um the doc is going to see if he can either find or borrow a knife a decent knife because a scalpel just is not particularly combat worthy oh i have a spare is it evil no it's my old ritual knife i have a better one now yeah all right that works (laughs) (laughs) i will take that and the sheath and tuck that into my belt make sure i have my doctor's bag and it's still chilly out Mm-hmm. Doc is going to wear a couple of extra layers under his jacket, okay. not just to keep the cold out, but also as a little extra padding just in case. Yeah. Okay. So you probably put on a, an additional long sleeve shirt mm-hmm. and then a coat. You know for a fact that you'll, you'll probably be a little warm if you stay inside like this, but you know, so be it. Right. I'm bringing my robe, mm-hmm. uh, my dagger as a belt. I'm not wearing it on my thigh. Sure. My scepter's in their pockets. My spell book in the other pocket. Well, and the other item that's always stored on me. Clearly. Yes, that item. So, Sam? How much time are we, how much time do we have to prep between? You probably have a couple of hours. Okay. Because I wanted to try to acquire some uh, animal traps. Like bear traps. Easy. I mean. We were in that alley. How many do I think I would need to cover all of the points of entry and exit? Uh, you need at least three. So from your vantage point of that alley, you would have seen that it looks like the um, the Warren, this little back alleyway, probably tees. And you're going to have to cover left and right. Plus, obviously, you'll have to cover the way you enter. Sure. But yeah, that's probably what you're dealing with. And what is likely, at least from your experience, is having had some time in Paris before, it's likely that their Warren is, goes underground. Mm-hmm. So is there some sort of under the streets of Paris? Paris? I mean, it's quite possible. Well, then there's likely an entrance at that, uh, or at least near that intersection. So, yeah, I spend the day going on a trap hunt. And um, this is during daylight hours, right? Because it hasn't, we're not going until night. Correct. So you'd have gotten actually probably about four hours or so to prepare because you would have known you were going after your first jaunt. Uh, and so you would have had a little extra time. Um, what are the chances of me accidentally hitting something that is not a ghoul back here? This is like a pretty low traffic area, high traffic area. Maybe there's some neighborhood kids that occasionally cut through the alley here. Hmm. But from everything that your experience tells you, this is likely going to be pretty ghoul centric. Okay. If all the telltale signs are true. Then yeah, I would set up during the day. And then I'd head back to the hotel and meet up with everyone else. As far as like what I'm bringing with me when we go, just my duffel with some odds and ends. As far as weaponry, I'm just carrying a knife. So Jack and Lillian, you drop this woman off at the the hospital, I would imagine. Are you staying? No. No. Okay. I don't want to answer questions. Agreed. They take her immediately. They ask what happened to her. She was in an accident at... Uh... I give the, her. Well, I can't tell them that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I let them know that she had an accident um, during a play at such and such theater. I don't. Sure. Th- I don't think we got the theater name. And 
her name was on the playbill, so I give them her name. Okay, yeah, you, you give them her name, and they take her inside. They're they're going to do their very best to help her. I let the taxi driver know to take us back to the hotel. I look at Jack, and we'll get you a new suit. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Maybe I get something more up to date. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I I think we can manage that. The two of you return to the hotel about uh, half an hour or so after that. And uh, upon getting back up towards your rooms, you can tell that uh, it looks like preparations are being made for your evening activities. And look at that. I return to a hotel covered in blood again. Yeah, Jack comes back. He's covered in blood. You had to walk through the lobby like that, mm-hmm. so. Is any of that yours, Jack? Nope. Ah, oh, Vanderbar. Nor is it Lillian's. Oh. Good night. It's um, I can tell you a uh, um, a play not to see. Yeah. Yes. That should probably tell me about it later, though. Okay. We are running out of time, and yeah, you two are. should get cleaned up. We have somewhere fancy to go. Is it the alley? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I go in. I I go back to my room. I'm going to change into actual pants this time. I'm shocked. Is there a fireplace in my room? The answer is yes. Of okay. course there is. I'm going to have hmm. a fire started. That's not a bad idea. Yeah. I need my room warmer. You do, because it's going to be probably a cold night, and you need to warm yourself up. And you probably have that thought soon after getting prepared, so it's probably have an hour or so to warm it up. Miss Lane, when you pass by Maeve's room to go to your room, mm-hmm. you can feel that there's there's a significant temperature difference between the two rooms. Like it's much colder in Maeve's room versus uh, the hallway. No, it is much warmer as you pass by her. Like oh, you can you feel had the fire started. Okay, you can feel you've had an hour to kind of get the heat up in the room, and you don't really remember how many pieces of wood you've added at this point. Is her door open or is it? Oh, she's probably trying to keep it warm. I would imagine her door is shut, but... I just go and put my hand on the door. And... It doesn't, I mean, it's not like a fireman test. It, no, it... but you can, you, I can feel the heat yeah, difference. You can feel there's, a, the... there's a heat there. I just kind of furrow my brow a little bit. I'm not going to knock on the door and bother her. Maybe I'll ask her about it later. Okay. But um, I'm going to go get cleaned up. and I. But I keep it on the back of my mind of like, sure. wow. Oh, it's warm in there. Hmm. It's a, she's running a Turkish bath out of her. Uh, yeah, I was going to so, have the bathroom door open, right. the water, water, hot water <laughs> running. And... Jack, you get changed. Uh, I guess the material question for you is the same I posed to the other one. Folks, uh, you are getting dressed to go potentially hunt uh, and track down a ghoul. What is it? What are you bringing? Uh, and uh, what are there any particulars I need to know about? Well, I'm bringing my sidearm, of course. And I would really like to bring a shotgun, but I don't know how I'm going to get a shotgun through the lobby of the hotel. Oh, wait, I have my I have my double barrel saw off. Okay, so since you're likely not going to be able to get the shotgun through the the hotel, I mean, let's be honest. So you have your sidearm. Yeah. Um, Miss Lane, you change into pants. I'm still just bringing. I have I have my boots that I have not lost yet, and bring my hatchet with. I am not bringing my shotgun because I think my shotgun's in the bottom of Maeve's chest, which is cursed, and I'm not touching that thing again. So for right now, until I can find a a different gun that I can hide in better places other than my, you know, a shotgun and a chest, mm-hmm. I will just have my hatchet with me. So this would probably come to some of you, uh, at least maybe one or two of you. You're going ghoul hunting at night in Paris. Are, is anyone bringing a torch? Well, yeah. I mean, I always bring a torch. I'm d- well, Actually, well, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying no one has mentioned it yet. And so if you are, I'd like to know who's bringing them. And how many we have. I'll be fine on the you dark. You probably will be. I have one. I actually don't well, have one, so. I, I know Sam has one for sure. Sam has one. I have one. Oh, I'm also bringing my camera because, you know, 
night pictures. Of yeah, let's get more pictures that make party members lose. It's okay. Sanity. The other group does it too. They take pictures of all sorts of crazy shit, and they here pass them around. They scare chemists in France. But, evidently. but we're going to be there, right? And I can I can develop my own photos. I asked the front desk if they perhaps have an electric torch that I may borrow overnight. Uh, perhaps their maintenance guy has one. Or they tell you that the hotel has a couple of torches and they need to keep them here in case they uh, lose power. What time is it? Well, by now it's probably getting out to about eight or nine. Yeah, it's too late to go buy one. All right, chemistry over electricity. It is flare gun. Well, I mean... The five of you collect yourselves uh, outside the uh, your various hotel rooms at some point. I guess give me the plan of action. When we uh, meet in the lobby, I'm going to pass a small folded note to Jack that contains a crudely drawn map of the intersection with three big X's. Okay. It, what it looks like is, it looks like the, the alleyway you would start in, and then it looks like you can see the building's T, and then there is a left path and a right path and it looks like he's marked these X's for some specific reason. Right, well, oh, okay, I see. I, I kind of figure what it is. Probably where we want to set up in order to block all the exits. No, that's where the bear traps are. Oh, the bear traps? I figured if this uh, thing is to, uh, if we need to deal with it and it's violent, then it, I would prefer it not be moving. Right? I mean, if you're going to catch a ghoul. I guess. So are the squares the bear traps? Doc goes over to the desk. Yes. And uh, he asks for an envelope and a piece of paper and a pen real quick. We miss you. Uh, he scribbles down the address and the time, and he folds it up and puts it in the envelope, seals it, hands it to the front desk clerk. If we do not return by tomorrow morning, please open, please give this to the authorities and tell them this is where we went. He looks at you very strange, and but takes it. Mm-hmm. All right. Off to hunt a ghoul. Your previous jaunt through the Paris streets revealed a couple of very distinct things. One keyed in by the doctor here, which is a an alley that, for whatever reason, just didn't sit right. There wasn't any noticeable, audible sounds from it. It was almost a, a vacuum, a void of those sounds. And as you begin your approach into that market and then that alley what I'd like to know before making any specific decisions is um, especially given that Sam has done a lot of reconnaissance uh, how are you approaching it or are you um, shepherding or directing your fellow investigators as to what they might need to do did I identify any any obvious purchase um, one for sure and it's about three quarters of the way down the alley and it's a very very well protected spot it's about 20 or so feet off the ground and if there's something living up there uh, it's going to be very difficult to tell until the, the absolute worst worst moment um, okay I would have uh, likely also marked that location on the map I will slow Jack to a stroll so we can chat a bit if the group is like just kind of wandering in that general direction. I don't know that anybody's wandering, but but yes, you can slow Jack for sure. Uh, I think I can cover you from here, but you're going to have to decide which way you want to come in or whether you want to split up or what have you. What I, I, I want to do is, uh, I'm guessing that this, thing, this ghoul comes out at night and 
comes back in by morning. So I won't lay an ambush for it. There's a pretty good chance that it's somewhere underground nearby. Well, right, that's where it layers, but is it there all the time, or is it just there when it's sleeping or during the day or whatever? If we wait long enough, we'll definitely find out. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so is the plan then to, to wait outside and see what happens? And and if nothing if nothing happens by sunup, then I guess we'll go in. I will move ahead then and try to get to that location, and then I will remove my broken-down rifle from my bag and assemble it. Okay, fair enough. I'm going to um, put my hood up and sink back to a shadow. Yeah, pretty easy to do for you at this point. So for Jack and for the Doctor and Lillian... The three of you are together a bit in, in watching this area. Mm-hmm. The streets are quiet at this time in this area. Uh, families, for the most part, make up the majority of this, uh, this part of the Paris streets. They come down to the marketplace here to sell their goods and wares, and they go back to buildings very close by to live. And this isn't a very affluent area of town. You can tell some of these alleys here are filled with quite a bit of refuse um there's a few bars here that are are close enough to be places likely mr doe you wouldn't want proper company in but beyond that there's a, a smell that picks up it's a little pervasive too it begins to smell like the back of a butcher's shop and it kind of wafts out on the air, and you, you pick it up pretty quickly. Is it worse than it was before? Last uh, Was it last night we were here, or, the, or yesterday? It's a little bit worse, yeah. And you're having some strange flashbacks in your memory. And you're starting to smell the meatpacking plants in Chicago. That's comforting. A lot of bad times. Yeah. <laughs> An hour or so passes. Gets on to about ten. And, Doctor, you get the feeling just in your in your bones that this this thing, whatever it is, is awake. The shadows shift, maybe. I very gently tap the tip of my cane on the ground. To, and kind of gesture towards the shadows where Lillian and Jack can see me. Do we make anything out? Go ahead and give me a spot hidden more, Jack. Hard difficulty for anybody staring that way. 31, hard difficulty. Okay. Um, I got a 68 out of 88. Okay. I succeeded, but not in a hard success. Very good. Yeah, so she can give me a spot hidden for Why? You're, you're standing there in the shadows being shadowy. Shadowy. The 41 out of 75, but a hard is a 36. True. You could spend luck or push your choice. Or you could just accept it. Yeah, I'll accept it. It's fine. All right. Fair enough. So, for Sam, this is just a regular spot hidden roll because of distance. That's a, it's a big fail. It's a 60 out of 58. Okay. Jack, you see a shadow in that alley move. It lurches for a second, and then it moves, and it picks up speed. And it skirts the edge of the building and goes right. Like, it comes out of the mouth of the alley and goes right. There it is. I pointed out. Yeah. Anybody who succeeded but didn't get a hard difficulty 
now sees what Jack's pointing at. And this thing is loping down the street. Um, since I don't see what they're doing, can I pull my binoculars? Absolutely. We'll catch that on the way back. How far is it from us? Uh, it's probably about 40 feet at this point. Um, you're about you're, you're a good wide street distance <clears throat> from the mouth there of the alley. But when it when it came out of the shadows, Jack, it was it it was like it the shadows birthed it and it moved. Well, I was just wondering, can I use uh, baleful influence to yell stop? Uh, absolutely, we'll try. If it can, if you believe it can hear you, if you're going to yell, then yeah. Okay, so you need to. It's an opposed power roll. Sure, spend your magic points, and then you need to make a power roll, and it will make one to resist. Caster's going to cast. It's a 22 out of 83. Okay. You step out so that way it can hear you. And I yell, stop! 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 And Jack, the shadow, stops. Oh, um, Sam, um, you hear that. You hear her. You hear Maeve's voice like on the air. Uh, and there's a really strange ringing uh, locally for Lillian and for the doctor and for Jack. It's like a ringing in your ears for a second. Uh, okay, let's go. <laughs> I, I, I shake my head. like. So for Sam, I want to know what, what you're doing when you hear Maeve yell, stop. So I was pulling my binoculars to um, to try to see if I can get a beat on whatever it is they were seeing. So I didn't know if that was like, if I could if I could try to push this roll or... I don't. Th- I think with the binoculars and with Jack pointing, because Jack points. Okay. When he pointed it out, I don't, I don't think you'll need a roll to push, but the binoculars will help you ID, ID it. Okay. And the great part about where you're at is there's a, a roof... There's potential roof movement for you to get closer to it. Sure. So you could leave the uh, the perch, so to speak, and, and continue on the roof. Yeah, I'm going to try to get a better position. Okay. I just slowly walk forward towards it. Sam, you move across the the roof here, uh, up and over, and then probably about 20 feet to the south, and then about 15 or so feet west. And you have basically a very similar angle with the rifle except you're a little bit more exposed now, but the this, this this thing, whatever it is, this creature has stopped uh, against one of the uh, against one of the larger apartment complex walls. And it's just standing there. It it's turned it's faced away from you and it's faced away away from the rest of the party as they move closer to it. Um okay. That never happens. Everybody runs when you tell them to stop. Okay, you're going to approach it? Oh, I'm just walking towards it. I'm going to let them. Yeah, I'll, I'll approach it. I'll weapon on it. The first thing, Doctor, hmm. isn't the sight of this creature. While it is bathed basically in shadow because of a lack of light. Right. The first thing is the smell. Um, it smells like warm earth uh, and dirt and a little bit of decay. Not an entirely unfamiliar smell to me. No, not at all. Miss O'Shea is approaching with some caution, or is she just like walking all up no, on I'm, it? No, I'm like casually, slowly, like, you know, <laughs> kind of walking up. Uh, Jack has got his gun out and and ready, uh, and he seems to be cautiously approaching. But the closer you get to it, the smell gets worse. They are, the two of them are fairly formidable and seem to have this in hand for the moment. So I'm going to turn my attention to the area where it came out of. 
and we're going to take a look over there to make sure there isn't another shadowy thing also waiting. That's bum, probably bum, a good bum. idea. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, you take a look back down the alleyway there just to kind of make sure that you're safe. Hmm. Um, you don't see any other forms moving at this point, but you do see that if there were, uh, if, they, if they blend as well as this thing did, they'd be hard to see. They'd be real hard to see. Okay. Well, for now, um, Doc is going to keep keep his eyes on R6, so to speak. Fair enough. You speak English? The figure stands there. It's back to you. It's silent. You may speak. You see its head tilt and, like, turn to look over its shoulder. Um, you see a, a little bit of something you've kind of seen before. It, the Bodily, bodily speaking, the creature is not hulking by any means. It's 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 almost as if something has crunched its midsection tight. It seems to bend strangely at the waist. It's almost as if it's permanently bent forward. But it has a rather misshapen head. And so when it turns its head, you can see that there's not, you know, a a regular mouth by any means on this thing. There's a there's a maw that has teeth and um, quite broken ones at that. Uh, its snout is pronounced a little bit more uh, and it, it's almost as if it's missing portions of it and there are two kind of large holes which seem to be flexing ever so slightly. Uh, and you pick up this thing's breathing. Does it look like uh, the one I saw on the moors? It does. This, as Miss Lane would know, as many of you now have experienced, this is likely a ghoul. So it probably can't speak. It turns to you, and it says, What do you wish of me? We want to talk. It doesn't look at you. Are you alone? We've been there. Have you been eating children? I eat what I can. Oh, and what is that? Release me. You need to answer me. Release me! Are you harming others? He seems to... The the form seems to shudder, like in frustration. I have hurt no one. Guillaume does not hurt. We eat what we can. We eat what the city gives us. So there's more than just him? No, he's referring to himself as, as though me in the third person. Are we Most sure? Likely. Did we want to ask him? He's answering you. I asked him if he was alone. He said yes. Are you the only one of your kind in the city? No. Can you ask him if he knows if somebody's hurting children? Because maybe they've seen something? Have you seen anyone that's taking children? It is not safe on these streets. We should move. He, With his eyes, he seems to like indicate deeper into the alleyway. He doesn't like being this exposed. Let's go into the alley. He stands there. You can go into the alley. He takes an enormous breath and moves towards the alley. He kind of lopes, almost as if he's a, a bit of a beaten dog. He lopes into the, the alley and then kind of recoils back into the shadows just a bit by what looks like a shipping crate. Uh, for Sam, this is really just more just like kind of pivoting a bit to the left. I track him meticulously. If he's loping, I have all the time in the world. Oh, yeah. I will lower my gun. 
I keep it ready, but I want to lower it. He uh, puts his hands out towards you. Just not, he kind of goes palms up a little bit and seems to begin to plead his case. Uh, I was trapped below the streets of Paris in a, in a terrible chamber when uh, two, two of your kind they freed me. He seems to beam with just happiness that someone freed him. And when he does, you get a full cross-section of his maw. And you get like kind of this, a bit of a cloud of just dead flesh. While they are speaking to him, I am taking this very rare opportunity, even though it's not particularly bright in this alleyway, to study Guillaume as closely as possible as I don't know the next time I'm going to have a ghoul that will sit or stand in front of me for more than a few seconds so okay fair enough I'm taking every note I can take I will give you a medicine roll at the end Guillaume right? Oui monsieur you've been seen a number of times the papers write about you sooner or later more will come looking for you he seems honestly worried. Like he looks around. You see his eyes shift back and forth. He said he's not the only one. Well, I understand that, but the other ones that are town the city may have may be able to keep a lower profile because they understand it better. Or I don't just out in the country where he can Right. Consume dead cattle like, or if you're not hurting anybody, we have no interest in hurting you. He looks genuinely confused. Or perhaps you can tell us what is taking children. There is, a, there is one of my kind who has decided to take things into his own hands. Like taking live children? This is unfortunate. The, the flesh we eat. He points to himself. We do not sustain ourselves on specific types. We, we clean what you leave. Your other kind is finding dead children. No, he's killing them so that he has something to okay. eat. They only eat dead flesh. Right, but I didn't know if he was killing them or he was finding them dead. Everything is alive until it isn't. It'd be different if he was finding them dead, I though. Doc taps his hand of his nose and, and kind of shares a moment with Guillaume. But, but see? <laughs> so the, the school is taking it into his hands to, to kill whatever he can find to feed. Where can we find him? He is in the Warren, not far. Could you show us where without causing yourself any troubles? I don't believe so. So you all live together down there? He shrugs. I do not agree with his practices, but the five of us, we... We must stick together. Well, here's the problem. We can't, we can't allow that to hap continue happening. And he's putting the rest of you in danger. The authorities are looking and writing articles. Guillaume covers his eyes. I feel such shame. If you can lure him out to us, we can talk to him. Or if you can give us a map on how to get in. I would rather not go down in the warrens. I, I, I also I, don't but... want to mistakenly talk to the wrong one. Yeah, it doesn't look like Guillaume understands the innuendo, Jack, but he, he does say that um, getting him to come up here would be very difficult. You see, he has built something down there for himself, a, uh, a food source to uh, continue his harvest so he must not have to come to the streets. Is he breeding something down there? He shrugs. By breed, what do you mean? 
something that will reproduce other living creatures. It is a, um, it is a, a mass of, of flesh that he uses to corrupt the bodies to get them to decay faster so he can eat more. Like a, and like an afterbirth thing. <laughs> I've seen something along these lines before. A similar process, but on the other end, reproduction, not creation. We have thought things like this before, Jack. And if he has one like this, and if it gets out of control... I think uh, what I'm picturing is the call inside the scary house. Yeah. Mm. I could give you a, um, a bit of direction to make the warrants less uh, mysterious. That would help. Does he have any distinguishing marks? He is very intelligent. Thunderbar. I do not wish anyone to come to harm, but but if it is as you say, that he that they would come and hunt us all. Yeah, they won't. Doubt. They won't stop and talk. They don't. The average person is not going to take time with something they don't understand. They destroy what they don't understand. I have seen destructions, though. What is the school's name? Uh, uh, Henry. Henry. Thank you. Henry or Henri? Uh, Henry, he's from England. From England? Does he say where he's from? Mm, no. I wonder how long he's been here. Just almost as long as me. Ah. Uh, the time of the revolution. Interesting. We would be great. We would be much obliged if you would give us some direction. When you enter the warren, take only the right path. The left path leads to somewhere you do not want to go. I can't imagine what would be down there. That would be worse than going into a ghoul's warren that has some... There is a connection there uh, to the sewer lines. Uh, as you proceed down the, into the warren, you'll, you'll want to go... Uh, continue to go right until uh, the path ends, at which point your options are left or to turn around. Go left and then take that all the way around. It is quite a walk. Mm -hmm. You will reach a section of Paris that was once connected to the catacombs before uh, the ground moved. Past that, you'll need to prepare yourself for Henry. Um, so he kind of leans down here amongst the dirt and he begins with his claw kind of scratching little notes little directional notes for you uh, is, um, there are others down there they will not understand why they will see you as a threat Guillaume can do nothing to prevent this you must understand that he kind of pats his chest. We are we're not made like you. Our our skin is different. He can turn his hand over. I take his hand and examine it very carefully. Like <laughs> if he actually lets me hold the the, the biggest concern you have with like examining his hands is yeah. his nails. Like his claws are not only just fetid and gross, right. but they're they look pretty sharp. Eagle talon kinda. Alright, I will. Like I was handling the paw of a sleeping panther. <laughs> well, hopefully I can make them not attack us until we find Henry. 
You have the voice. You can choose to use it. Uh, one more thing. Can I take a picture of you? A picture? Yeah. It, it'll be a bright it's, flash it's like, of it's light. Like, it's like a quick painting. Very, very quick. He seems confused. Yeah, I will show you. So sit here. Hmm? Yeah, stand and, next to him. And I, yeah, I will sit here. And you put your arm yeah, around. Don't, 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 don't. <laughs> Doc kind of smiles. No. <laughs> he sits down and, you know. Now, there will be a bright flash of light. And that will be all. It will not hurt. Ready? Big smile. Uh, Guillaume stands there. He looks a little strange. I take the picture. Okay. Whoosh. Guillaume stands there. And when the flash goes off, he doesn't flinch. And you see, that is all. And now we have a picture to commemorate our meeting. Yeah? What is this picture? He still looks confused when you keep saying picture. He looks at you, Maven, and says, May I go? Yes, thank you for your help. He nods and lopes down the, the alleyway further away from you. Well, that went better and worse than I predicted or expected. He was very lovely. Well, I figured since we were able to communicate with some of them in England, or the one the girl, right. yeah. yeah, that maybe it was worth a try. Right. No, I I, understand. I agree. I absolutely agree. Just because things are different doesn't mean they're inherently evil. Right. I mean, it eats dead bodies, and that's distasteful, and... But that's not any different than having maggots or vultures or hyenas or... Yeah, right. They, they aren't yeah. killing people. They're not yeah, gathering. Well, well, not all of them. Well, right. we need to have a talk with that up. Yeah, but we're going to have a talk with it. And if it's intelligent, then it knows what it's doing. Intelligence, oh, you know right from wrong. Yep. Intelligence supposes a moral compass or at least an acknowledgement of such. So we must acknowledge that as well. When it leaves, I climb down. All right, you climb down. Sam rejoins the group. All right, Sam, we're going to uh, go into the warren and hunt out this other one that's been killing people. So if you know it's down there, why go now? Because he has no reason to come up to street level. Well. He has made a way to make basically a food source for himself. Sure. What I'm saying is, why do it now? We're not necessarily prepared for a subterranean excursion. We know he's down there. That is true. We know he won't come out. I mean, yeah, we can, we can go. We can go back to the hotel, get a nice sleep or whatever. Re, um, prepare for an actual mm-hmm. excursion down there, and then. Or maybe we can come earlier in the day when the street is louder. So if we make a bunch of noise down there, that's fair. People might not hear it. I'm jotting down all of the notes and everything he scribbled into the ground. Are you at all worried that your uh, pet dog is? isn't going to say anything to uh, the target? He doesn't agree with what he's doing. I don't see... Unless it's a very elaborate trick. I don't see why he would tell us that where to go unless he's trying to lure us down there for food. You nod. There's five of them. There's five of us. I mean, at this point... Seems like a fair fight. I will... Uh, I'll go retrieve... I'll go retrieve the traps without losing any fingers. Um, and then I will disassemble my rifle. <laughs> if okay. we go down there this next time, we'll be better armed and prepared. Okay. Yeah, you've got some information. So I guess what we'll do then is the group will head back to the hotel. And then the uh, idea is to start out the next morning when the streets of Paris are a little bit uh, bustlier. 
and use it as cover to get down in there. And if you had a cape, you got to make some noise and you got to make some noise. Oh, I'm also, before I go to bed, I'm going to mix up a couple vials for mist breath. Very well. Then uh, on that note, it is time to end. So thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Masks from the Tip. We greatly hope you're enjoying our uh, side excursions into Paris. And we will see you next week. 